Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, December 10th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The trade agreement that would replace NAFTA might be done as soon as this week. Morgan Stanley is cutting around 2.5% of its global workforce. Amazon is suing the Pentagon over a $10 billion defense contract. And SoftBank is selling its sizable stake in the dog-walking company WAG. Then, the life and legacy of former Federal Reserve Chairman Paul Volcker. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. A U.S. trade agreement with Canada and Mexico could be ratified soon. On Monday, U.S. President Donald Trump took an upbeat tone on the fate of the USMCA deal, which would replace NAFTA. It's been stalled for months as Democratic Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi pushed for more changes, including tighter labor standards in Mexico. I'm hearing very good things. I'm hearing from uh, unions and others that it's looking good. I'm hearing a lot of strides have been made over the last 24 hours with unions and others. Hopes are high that, at the very least, the House could pass the agreement before the holiday break. An agreement on USMCA would be a big relief for investors and businesses. It's unclear when we'll see progress on a U.S.-China trade deal, and the U.S. has threatened to put even more tariffs on EU goods. But this is a rare instance of cooperation between House Democrats and the White House. On Monday, members of Congress prepared to draft articles of impeachment against the president. Many Democrats expect the committee to draft and vote on articles of impeachment this week and ahead of a vote on the House floor before Christmas. With an uncertain 2020 on the horizon, Morgan Stanley will cut around 1,500 jobs worldwide. Two people confirmed the cuts to the FT, and a third person said they're a little more than what the Wall Street Bank typically does at the end of the year. There are a few things muddying that picture. The U.S.-China trade war, Brexit, and the U.S. presidential election could all affect the industry's performance. The heaviest layoffs will come from Morgan Stanley's technology and operations divisions. Morgan Stanley isn't the only bank trimming back. Citigroup started cutting hundreds of jobs this summer, and Deutsche Bank plans to cut 18,000 jobs by 2022. It's estimated that European banks have collectively announced more than 60,000 job cuts this year. Amazon thinks Donald Trump's beef with Jeff Bezos is getting in the way of business. It filed a lawsuit saying as much. For a bit of background... The U.S. president has complained numerous times about how the Washington Post covers him. The paper is owned by Mr. Bezos, the founder and chief executive of Amazon. And now Amazon says the president's feelings towards Jeff Bezos played a role in how the Pentagon chose Microsoft and not Amazon for a $10 billion U.S. defense contract, the so-called JEDI contract. It allows Microsoft to handle some of the U.S. military's most sensitive data. The suit claims Amazon was denied the contract because of, quote, escalating and overt pressure from President Trump toward the Department of Defense as it made its pick. It claims this was done to harm Mr. Bezos. The complaint was filed last month, but made public on Monday. A spokesperson for the Defense Department denied the claim. The White House did not respond to a request for comment. And SoftBank is selling its nearly 50% stake in the dog-walking company WAG. Back to the company. It's the latest disappointment for SoftBank, that is, after the failed initial public offering of WeWork. 
Wag told employees on Monday that SoftBank would no longer hold a seat on the company's board. Details on how much WAG would pay for SoftBank's stake were not disclosed, but a source told the FT that SoftBank would lose money on the sale. The group pledged $300 million last January, which valued the company at $650 million. WAG has been in talks for someone to acquire the business. A source told the FT that SoftBank has been pushing the company to slash costs and consider things including liquidation. And here's a story you should know more about. On Monday, we learned that former Federal Reserve Chair Paul Volcker died. He was 92. Mr. Volcker served under a number of presidents, starting with John F. Kennedy, all the way to Barack Obama. And he might be best known for the actions he took to tame inflation after President Jimmy Carter appointed him to Fed chair in 1979. We were in a political crisis in the end of 79, 80, because the inflation rate kept going up. Federal Reserve was clearly impotent in what they were doing about it. It's not as bad as the last crisis, but uh, it was a different kind of crisis. It was a crisis of government. That's Mr. Volcker last year. He was talking to our own Jillian Tett. There was a widespread perception that the Fed chair should not do anything too radical. Certainly politicians didn't want him to crush the recovery insofar as there was a recovery at the time. But Chairman Volcker took a very different view, and he believed that first and foremost, his duty was not to the political world, but to the Federal Reserve and above all else to the cause of sound money. So he famously jacked up rates quite dramatically and essentially brought inflation down. He also came with an extremely strong public service ethos, forged very much from his childhood and the post-war World War II years. And he believed very deeply and very passionately in the principle of public service. Yeah, and he said something really interesting to that effect when you spoke to him last year. I really like my legacy to be some attention to public service, but it's, it's a losing cause. And when I grew up, good government was a good slogan. Now the phrase, good government, is a mockery. And his efforts didn't stop there. Jillian, what did Mr. Volcker go on to do? After he left the Federal Reserve, Paul Volcker did a whole series of different things. He worked for a while in United, overseeing a United Nations program, or essentially doing its audit and inspection. He tried to make the accountancy profession more credible um, after the whole Enron scandal. And more latterly, he went into essentially advising the government of President Obama on how to reform the financial system after the 2008 crash. And the most important and perhaps famous part of the advice he gave was the creation of the so-called Volcker Rule, which bans investment banks and Wall Street brokers from essentially gambling with other people's money and their own money. His aim was to ban proprietary trading and to ensure that the big brokers and banks were essentially safe. It was wildly controversial. Many parts of Wall Street hated it, not surprisingly, and it's subsequently been rolled back in part. But by championing that rule, what Volcker essentially did was to really infuse the idea that big, systemically important institutions, which play to some degrees a utility function in the financial system, shouldn't be allowed to behave like hedge funds and just gamble 
wildly with no controls. Look, the reason I like this so-called Volcker rule is not just to search out every particular proprietary bet that's made. If they enforce the goddamn rule, then it begins changing the compensation practices a little bit, and it changes the whole atmosphere in the, in the trading room. Mr. Volcker had such an influence on how future Federal Reserve boards operate. How can we see his effects on today's Fed, and what are some of the differences? Well, one of the many admirable things about Chairman Powell is that he has reached out to former Fed chairs and former Fed officials quite extensively to try and get advice and wisdom and a bigger perspective to the battles he's facing. We have a president that's tweeting angry attacks against the Fed on a pretty constant basis. Certainly, I think the lessons that can be learned from Volcker's tenure is that even if you face short-term political attacks, Paul Volcker didn't face tweets, but he placed plenty of criticism It's the long term that matters and sticking to your guns, being consistent and credible and above all else dignified is a very, very potent combination. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. One quick thing before we go. We are in the middle of the FT's seasonal appeal, where we highlight the work of a charity and ask readers and listeners to support it. This year, our partner is the Zoological Society of London. My colleagues have been reporting on how ZSL works to fight organized poaching and to support communities affected by it. Visit ft.com forward slash seasonal appeal to learn more. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.